Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be at the the, uh, end of the chapter here, starting in verse 37. And the word of God says they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house uh, this morning. I thank you uh, for every single person that was here uh, that chose to be here. They could be doing other things. They could be uh, staying home, um, quarantining themselves uh, for the, the, the virus that's going on, but they, they chose to, to be here this morning. And I, I ask that you please put a, uh, a special blessing upon them for doing that. I pray that you will please be with everything that is said and done, may be honoring and glorifying to you. And that as the word of God is heard this morning, that we will take what we hear and apply it to our lives. That we will not just be hearers of your word only and then leaving and doing nothing with it, but that we will take it and do something, apply it to allow uh, ourselves to be led by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We love you and we thank you so much for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, in, in New Zealand, uh, there, in the last couple of years, we just started to, to get, uh, we just had, had something come to New Zealand that uh, hadn't been there before. And uh, we have, New Zealand has their own variety of this, and, uh, but there's a special place that came, it's called a Dunkin' Donuts came to New Zealand. Now, traditionally in New Zealand, our, our donuts look like hot dog buns with cream and then a cherry on top. And so the, the American donut with the hole in the center came to, to New Zealand. And so I went, it, it, the nearest Dunkin' Donuts to us is about five-hour drive away. And so whenever we go up there, sometimes we'll just pop in and get it, get it donated too. And uh, just because you know, it brings back that remembrance of being uh, in America. And that. But I want you to imagine with me this morning. You are in Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme or whatever you may have here, and and you're 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 in the drive-through. You get up to the to the the, the place to, to place your order, and I want you to think of your, your favorite donut and your maybe your favorite hot drink. Now, for myself, I'm not a coffee drinker. I love hot chocolate, Swiss Miss. Pastor, let me get get in and raid some of the hot chocolate in there earlier. I got got to take a couple of packets of the Swiss Miss because we we don't have that in America or in New Zealand. I missed that, and so I got to have some of those. But I want you to imagine your favorite one. You 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 uh, place that order. You get up to the window. That you pay and you're waiting, man. You're like, oh, and you're just imagining that donut with maybe the frosting melting off of it because it's nice and warm and moist. And for me, it's the one with the frosting and sprinkles on top. And you're waiting. And you see them coming with the bag. You're like, yes. 
and, and you see them come with the cup that you order, that favorite drink, and they come into the counter and they open the window and they hand you a banana and a glass of milk. And you look kind of puzzled and you go, I think you have me confused with somebody else because I, I didn't order this. I ordered this donut, this drink. And they go, oh, no, no, sir, sir, this is for you. See, here at Dunkin' Donuts, we care about our customers' health. We, we love you so much that we care about your health, so we want to make sure that you eat healthy. And you go, oh, wait. I didn't come to Dunkin' Donuts for you to give me health advice. I came to Dunkin' Donuts because I wanted that donut with the frosting and the sprinkles and the hole in the middle. That's what I want. And so maybe you demand for the, the manager and you, you, you want what you paid for. You want to see some results here. And in our, our world today, we, we live our lives based upon results. If I paid somebody to paint my house and I go on holiday or vacation, I don't want to come back and see a, a mural of rainbows and unicorns on the outside of my house. I want to see the colors scheme that I told them. I want to see, I want to see the results that I paid for. And our world is focused on the results. And see, the problem is, is we take that mentality. We take that demand for results and we bring that and we put that on God. And whenever we are praying for something or whenever we're God's laying something on our hearts, we oftentimes demand to see results. Demand of him these results. And Clovis Chapel, a minister from a century back, he used to tell a story of two paddle boats. They left Memphis about the same time, traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. And as they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made a few remarks about the snail's pace of the other. Words were exchanged, challenges were made, and the race began. Competition became vicious as the two boats roared through the deep south. One boat began falling behind. Not enough fuel. They had plenty of coal for a trip, but not enough for the race. And as the boat began to draw back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it into the ovens. When the sailors saw the supplies burned as well as the coal, they began to fuel their boat with the materials that they had been uh, assigned to transport. They ended up winning the race, but burned their cargo. You see, there, as they began, they allowed their priorities to change. And if we are not careful as Christians, we can set out on a right path, following God, doing what God has asked us to do, but we can allow our priorities to change us. And so my question that I have for you this morning is, what is your priority when it comes to obeying God? What is your priority when it comes to obeying God? So we're going to look real quick this morning, three reasons to live a faith-driven life rather than a results driven life. Now, too many people choose to obey God once he proves himself or once he gives a sign. And as we look at our first point here, we see here at the, at the end of chapter 11, these Old Testament believers did not receive all that was promised to them. They were told about a coming Messiah. One day the Messiah would come and they, they, they prepared for that. They talked about it. They lived their lives looking and, and waiting for this coming Messiah. And we see here that many, many of them died. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. 
They endured all of these afflictions. Some even gave their lives. Believing in a promise that in man's eyes hadn't much proof. All they had was the word of God that, that had been given to them. What little little that was. All they had was this word from the God that created everything that, that we see. Everything that we know. And they, they believed this promise and gave their life for it. They died for this promise that, had not, that they had not even seen come to pass. Many, 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 you know, thousands of years later, finally, Jesus Christ came. He was born of a virgin. He lived for 33 and a half years, living a perfect, sinless life. He was 100% man, 100% God. And He died on the cross, taking upon Him the sins of the world, paying for your sins and my sins so that we could have a home in heaven. If we, if we but just repent of our sins, call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. And they died for this promise that they had not seen. And if God told you to do something that you could not see the, the, the end result, you could not see where it was leading, would you still follow? God said, Hey, I want you to join the choir. Would you do it? Hey, I want you to start giving more in your faith promise. Or, hey, I want you to just start tithing. Would you do it? I want you to help clean the, the bathrooms. What would, your, what would you think? Would you do it because, hey, God asked me to do it? Or is your priority, what will I get from it? What will I receive from this? Sometimes God asks us to obey Him, but we don't. Secondly, the second reason why we need to live a faith-driven life is we can see that the, the Old Testament believers, they gave their life for a promise that they had not even seen come to pass yet. And we have. We've seen that Christ came. We've seen Him. He's, he's come. He's died. He's, this promise has been fulfilled, yet we struggle so many times, so often to just... Be willing to just obey when God asks us to do something. And the second reason why we should live a faith-driven life is God does not follow our plans, but His. God doesn't always fulfill His plan precisely when we want Him to. And He doesn't always fulfill His plans precisely the way we want Him to. Prayer. You know, we, we pastor is talking about prayer. And, and, and it's, been a, it's been amazing being in this church and being in a church and seeing that there are men that are willing to come before the services even start. And we'll gather in a room back here and we'll pray for the service before anybody's even here and, and, and is praying that God will work on the lives of the people, that people will, be list, will listen to the leading of God's calling on their lives or they listen to that still small voice and they're praying and they're praying for it. And prayer is all throughout the Bible, seeing, seeing about prayer, why we should pray, how to pray, all these things. And as, as Christians, oftentimes we can struggle to pray. And, and, and there are so many people around the world, Christians, that have given up on prayer. Because if we're not careful, we will begin to slack in our prayer because we're not seeing the results. Hey, I'm praying for something. I've been praying for somebody to get saved, but it's not happening. Maybe... Maybe God's just not hearing my prayer. 
Maybe God doesn't answer prayer like we think He does. And there, and I know people that have prayed for decades for somebody to get saved. Praying and seeking God's face for that person, just that one person, to get saved. And then what happens? The person that has been praying for all those years died. Never seeing that person get saved. And then the funeral service is held. The pastor gets up. The person that they have been praying for for all those years comes to the service, comes to the funeral, hears the the Word of God, remembers how that Christian had lived and the way that they had joy and peace, even though through hard times, and they end up getting saved, accepting Christ as their personal Savior. You see, the Christian that had been praying all those years, they never saw the results of their prayer. But it didn't mean God wasn't hearing it. It didn't mean God didn't answer their prayer. God just was going to answer it in his time, not ours. You know, oftentimes people go, okay, God, you, you, you want me to tithe. All right, I'll, I'll tithe. I'll tithe. I'll do this. But, you know, God, in order for me to do this, I need, you need to help me get a, to win a million dollars. You help me win a million dollars, I will tithe. I promise I will give that money to the church as long as I win that million dollars. We, we pray for this. But you see, God would rather you learn to live with a little bit and give by faith rather than to receive a large amount and give because, hey, I have excess now. I can give. God doesn't work like that. He wants to see our faith. He wants to see that we trust him. That, hey, he says, obey. Well, okay, I don't see how you're going to do this, God, but I'll do it. I'll step out by faith. Hey, God, that looks scary. I, I don't know how I could ever go and be a missionary in that country. I don't ever know how I'm, I could ever be a, a Sunday school t- teacher to, to uh, second graders. Have you seen them? Oh, they're like little animals running around everywhere. I, I, how could I ever do that? Okay, God, I'll do it. Whatever you say, I'll obey. And, God, and as soon as you step out by faith, as soon as you say, okay, God, I'll do it, it is amazing how God just begins to supply, how God just begins to provide for your life. 2018, I was in New Zealand. My father was back, my parents were back here in America visiting churches on furlough. And for the first time, I kind of got put in that leadership of position. I was the senior pastor while, while my dad was back. And I tell you what, when that happened, Satan was just like, yes, fresh meat. And he just chucked everything he could at me. I mean, thing, things that I'd call my dad. I'm like, okay, dad, this, this, this is what's happening. What would you do? And my dad's like, in all the 18 years that I've been here, I've never seen any, heard anything like this before. Let's, let's dive into God's word. Let's work this together. And, and all this was happening. And, and I remember towards the end of 2018, Beginning of 2019, December, January, God began to burden my heart to start planting churches in New Zealand. I had been content just serving in the church, just being up here, song leading, teaching adult Sunday school class, doing the children's ministries and various things. I was just content doing that. And God began to burden my heart to start planting churches in New Zealand. So I said, all right, God, I'm going to do that. Uh, You know, I'm already here. So I'm just going to I'm going to do a. Kind of, what do they call that? A two-job thing. I'm going to go get a job, and then at the, I'm going to work a full-time job and become a pastor, be a pastor at the same time. Then pastor this church, start a new church down there. And we're going to, that's, that's what we're going to do. And, so, and, and, and I, I, I started to do this, but 
during my devotions, every time I got up to preach, every time I got, went up to do Sunday school classes, God was just like, it's not what I want you to do. It's not what I want you to do. I want you to go back and begin deputation. I was like, no, what? Wait, hold on a minute. You want me to uproot my whole family? We're already here in New Zealand. You want me to take them, take them all the way back to America, do deputation, rate, you know, rate, raise support, and then, and then come fly all the way back to New Zealand? I'm already here. Why can't I just start a church? You know, by the time a year and a half, two years have gone, I, I could see a year and a half, two years of, of fruit and all this stuff from this church here. And I was struggling with that. I, was like, I felt like that was a waste of time. So I was like, no, no, not, not going to do it, not going to do it. I'm gonna... So I went down to Masterton. I started applying for jobs. I had been, I had been uh, working at a tree nursery for over a decade. And so I knew all about the horticultural business and, and various things. So I started applying at these places. All this experience behind me. And then I apply. And I'm sorry, we, we hired a guy fresh out of high school. What? You hired a guy fresh out of high school? Doesn't know anything? Sorry, we, we did that. And place after place after place. Hiring people that had inexperience, less experience than me, didn't have any experience. I'm like, what is going on? So finally I got so desperate, I was like, all right, McDonald's. Anybody can get a job at McDonald's. So I went and I applied at McDonald's. Not even, I couldn't even get a job at McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, who can't, who, can, who can't get a job at McDonald's, right? Me. And then I realized... God was saying, no, this is not what I want for you. And I was like banging my head against this brick wall that God had placed there. And, and I know, I know that if I had continued pushing, if I had been stubborn, if I had just, no, this is what I'm going to do, God would have eventually said, okay, here you go. But it wouldn't have been what he wanted. It wouldn't have been his plan. It wouldn't have been his best for my life. And so I finally said, all right, God, I'll surrender. I'll take my wife. My two little girls, how crazy that's going to be with two young children on the road on deputation. Okay, I'm going to do that. So in January 2019, I surrendered to, to come back here on deputation and, and um, start, uh, uh, come back here and start deputation. And it wasn't even two days. Two days later, my wife comes up to me and she's like, Logan, we're going to have a baby. And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? A ba- now we're going to have an infant while on deputation? What, what is going on? And I literally, and I, I don't, I'm, don't get me wrong, I was happy to have a child. And I'm always, always happy if God blesses us with, with a baby. But I literally lied on the bed, curled up in a ball for an hour and a half after she told me that. Because I, was, I had all these numbers going through my mind. Okay, I've got this much savings, and once you turn that into American dollars, you know, like this, and then and then I and then I've got to buy a car, and then and I've got to live off that because even though you visit these churches right away, they might not support you till months later, and all this is going through my mind. I'm like, and 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 I, and, and and then uh, God came again and just kind of like pricked my heart, and He goes, "No, if I had told you sooner, you would have come up with another excuse why not to go." You're right. It's too late now. You already said yes. Oh, all right. And a week later, I, got, I began to see God work. A week later, a missionary that, another missionary that was on furlough, they called me and they're like, hey, I know you've been kind of in charge for the last eight months. Just wanted to check and see how you're doing. We're getting ready to come back. And so I told them what, what God had been working in my life. And they're like, hey, we're getting ready to come back. 
we have a big you know, Chevy Suburban that we have. We were going to try to sell it, but we can't. We, we, you know, we, haven't, we haven't been able to. Maybe God wants you to have it. Would you like to have it? And I was just amazed. You know, God, now God just supplies a vehicle and all this. And we began to see over and over that God began to supply after I stepped out by faith. After I said, okay, God, I'll obey. You see, because oftentimes a lot of us as Christians, we're like my little four-year-old daughter. Ella, I want you to go clean your room. And she's like, all right, Daddy. And she'll, she'll go clean her room. And one day she, she, she went to do this. She went, she went over there to clean her room and she stops. And she turns around and she looks at me and she goes, will I get a cookie? I'm like, will you get, what do you mean will you get a cookie? No, I asked you to obey. You do that. And then if you obey, I might have, as a father, I might have given you a cookie. But I didn't tell you that. And we do that to God. We go, okay, God, you want me to be a Sunday school teacher? You want me to go be a missionary? You want me to go be a pastor? You want me to go start giving my tithe or my faith promise? You want me to do these things? Will I get a cookie? What will I get out of it? What's in it for me? God does not follow our plans, but his. And finally, it helps us when we live a faith-driven life. One that's not focused on results. One that's not worried about what we're going to get. All these results. When we we just live by faith. When we do that, it helps us focus more on God. When we are focused more on the aspect of obeying out of obedience rather than gain, it changes our perspective on life. You began to see things differently. You no longer expect physical results, money, wealth, signs, proofs from God. You only expect provision to complete the task that God has asked you to do. You say, okay, I'm going to do, it. I'm going to do this, God, but you've got to provide for me. I'm going to do it. And you step up by faith, you start doing it, and you're just waiting for God to provide the, the finances or the ability or whatever it is to, to step out and do what God has asked you to do. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That is the promise of God. When we, if we used to step out by faith and start tithing. He says, this, this, this is the God, the creator of everything that you and I see and, and know of. The, 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 the God that has created the world so perfectly that if it was just a fraction closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. And if it was a fraction farther away, we'd all freeze to death. The God that, that has made the eyes so intricate that not even scientists have been able to replicate that yet. That God is telling you that if you just step out by faith and just start tithing, He will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you may not have room enough to receive it. That God is saying, if you just step out and obey, just do, leave everything else to me. I'll take care of you. 1 Kings chapter 17, if you could turn there. 1 Kings chapter 17. We saw this, um, I believe it was uh, last night. My, my days are a little blurry now, but la- I believe it was last night or the night before. Brother uh, Missionary Brown from Croatia, he, uh, he preached a message on this. And I was like, oh no, he's... Preaching on my message, you know, but but uh, God was just building a foundation. It was great seeing how God worked everything out here. 
We see here in, in, in verse 8 to 10, if you weren't here, um, we're seeing here about the life of Elijah that's going on here. And Elijah had been told to go before King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, and to tell them about how God was not going to have it rain. And they laughed and they made fun of him. Then he left. And then they realized really quickly that, hey, it's not going to rain. It's not raining. It hasn't been raining. So then they began to, to hunt him down. And now it says here, and, and now God has Elijah hiding by the brook, brook Cherith there. And everything's been great. He's had water from the brook. Ravens have been bringing him bread. Everything is great. And we see here in verse, verse 8 here, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And what had happened is as one day, as everything's going, going great and grand and life is great for Elijah, he's got the water, the ravens bringing him food. One day it all stops. Water dries up. The ravens stop coming. And then God comes to him and he says, this is what I want you to do next. And if you were, you were here the other night, you, you, you will see what had happened, how God provided for him, how God used a widow woman. And God provided for the widow woman because of her faith and all this. But... Put yourself in Elijah's shoes for a moment. As a Christian, sometimes we, we go, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to obey you. Everything's, you know, I'm trusting you with my life. And we, we, we step out by faith. And what happens? Oh, God, God blessed. God provided. Wow, this is awesome. And then we start doing it. And then we're, 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 we're doing what God asks us to do. And we're Elijah, we're here. We're, we're, we're hiding because that's what God told us to do. We had gone and done what, what he'd asked. And now he's taking care of us. We've got the water. we got the ravens. And then one day, something bad happens. And uh, I can imagine maybe Elijah might have gotten a little frustrated. Maybe for a moment, it doesn't say. It just says that God came and gave him the word. But Elijah might have gotten a little frustrated and maybe discouraged and said, what's going on here? I did what you asked me to do. I went and delivered the message. Why, why are you punishing me? Why are you taking the water away? Why did you stop the ravens from coming? And, 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 and we do that sometimes. We go, God, what, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? I'm serving you. I've, I've done what you asked me. Why are you allowing this to happen in my life? And then we see that God uses him, provides for him, and uses him to, to see a great miracle happen and stretch the faith in somebody else's life. And I had people that came to me and they said, Logan, you're looking at this all wrong, this deputation thing. You're looking at it as it's a waste of time. Two, a year and a half, two years of being gone when you could be seeing something else. But change your view, change your perspective here. God's asking you to do this. When you do this and you step out by faith and you go on this deputation trail here, you're going to see God provide like you've never seen him do it before. You're going, to, you're going to see God work in the lives of people. You're going to see people get saved. You're going to see people surrender to, to become Sunday school teachers or preach or missionaries or whatever. You're going to see all these things that you never would have seen before. And Elijah could have got mad at God and said, God, what's wrong with you? I hate you. You took my water away. You took my bread away. I hate you. And there are Christians that that happens to. And when the hard times come, what do they do? They shake their fists at God. They turn their back on God and say, God's not real. And they run away. They walk away as soon as one hard time comes in their life. 
I want you to think back with me to the life of David. Growing up, I loved the, hearing the stories of David and shepherd boy. And then, he, and then we all know the stories of how he defeated Goliath. And I remember as a young kid, I go, man, I wish I could be like David. I wish I could have the courage and the strength to stand up against a giant like that. As he was mocking the armies of the living God. Be able to stand up for that, that what is right and stand up against these, these giants. I wish I could do that. But many of us... And just like myself, we forget what happened before that. Where was David before all that going on? He was there watching the sheep. Now, in New Zealand, I, I, I maybe could be a, a professional in the understanding of sheep. Not really, but, you know, we have a lot of sheep. We have about 50 to 60 million sheep all squeezed in, in on, these two, on these two islands there. Now, if you've ever seen or watched sheep, you will realize very quickly they are boring and they are dumb and they need a lot of help and a lot of guidance. And and you, you, if you ever seen a sheep that you, the, if you ever seen a sheep lying on its back, you know, like sitting there like, ah, you know, that that's not good because a sheep, when they sleep, they lie on their side. And sometimes I don't know what what it, what, what happens, but they just go. I wonder what happens if I just go a little bit farther. And they go a little bit farther, and then all of the fat that they have kind of like rolls and then flattens out, and they're stuck on their back, and they can't move. And so they need a shepherd. They need the farmer or somebody to come along, roll them back up, and put them back on their feet. Because if nobody does that, they will die. They will starve to death and die because they can't get back off their back. But what happens the, night, the, next, the next night? The sheep goes, I learned how to roll on my back. And he rolls on his back again. And, and, and the shepherd will just have to go back out there and every single day for the rest of that sheep's life, whether that shepherd gets tired of them and kills the sheep and you know, eats them or the sheep just eventually dies of old age or the fact that the shepherd never came and picked them up again. The, those three options could happen all because the, that sheep decided to keep rolling over. And David is there and he's watching the sheep. He's there. That's his job. And in these times, that was considered the lowliest of jobs. And David is here. And one day, as he's, as he's watching the sheep, and he's, he's singing his hymns and praises to God, and maybe reading what little bit of scripture he might have, he sits there, and, and a lion, the Bible says a lion comes. And, I, and I, I can just imagine myself in his shoes Many of us might, might do at that age of 14, 15, 16 years old, see this lion come and we're like, yeah, okay, um, I'm just going to be over here. You just have whatever you want, have a little feast to whatever you go along your way, I'll just be hiding over here behind this rock. And we're like, run for the hills, you know, a lion's there. But David's like, no, this is my job. This is my responsibility. This is where I've been placed to do. And even though that's scary, even though that lion might kill me, I need to do something to protect these sheep. And so the Bible says that he runs after the lion, grabs it by its mane, its beard, and shoves a sword into it and kills it. I, I can imagine just killing it from a distance, but going up and grabbing it, looking in its eyes and killing this lion like that, he had great courage. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And at the end, I can just, knowing the heart of David, he might have gone back, sat back on his rock there, and began praising God and saying, God, wow. You gave me the strength to do that. 
And then a bear comes a little while later and he goes and he kills the bear. And now one day his father comes and he says, hey, I want you to take this bread and cheese up to the, to the Israelites. They're having a battle there. So he takes this, this, this cart up there and he gets up there and he hears this giant. Goliath down there cursing and blaspheming the armies of the living God. And he's like, is anybody going to do anything? Is anybody going to do something? And he says, I, I can do this because I've seen God help me with the lion. I saw God help me with the bear. So I know God's going to help me with this. And you see, David would never, ever have had the strength and the courage and the, and the faith and trust in God to help him with the giant if he had never trusted God in the small areas with the lion and the bear. He would never have done that. And just like that, in our lives as Christians, if we're not willing to trust God in the small areas that seem big at the time, but in the retrospect, they're small. Giving our time, helping out in Sunday school, singing in the choir, giving somebody a track, telling somebody about God. If we're not willing to stand up and for, for what is right and, and, and trust God and obey God in the small areas, when something huge in our life comes, we'll fail. God suddenly comes and takes my sibling or, or my mom or my dad. We might say, God, I hate you. Why would you do that? But if I'm a Christian that's trusted God in all the small areas, I'm going to look at that and go, God... I know you got a plan. I know you're preparing for me for something. What is it? What, what do I need to learn from this? And we're looking at it in a totally different way. Because we started off trusting God in all the small areas. And maybe during this missions conference, God has been working on something that seemed huge in your life. And you're looking at that and you're saying, that is scary. I don't know how I could ever do that. I promise you, you trust God, you obey God. God promises that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And this, this big problem that's big now is just a little tiny hill compared to what might be coming. But God is preparing you for that. God is getting you ready for that. And all these Christians, that, all these people that died in the Old Testament, giving their life for a promise that they had not yet seen, God was using them and preparing them. For, for, for challenges later on in their life. And some of them got to the point where they even gave their life for what they believed in. And as I was preaching at, at our church, and as this was going on, I was preaching and saying, wherever God leads you, He will provide. I was going through the life of Elijah. And God was standing there behind me, slapping me in the head, going, you don't believe that, because if you did, you'd go. And we tell people all the time, I trust God. But is God sitting there slapping you in the back of the head saying, you don't believe that because if you did, you'd do, it. you'd do it. You'd obey. God does not measure success by results, but by obedience. And God doesn't use ability, but availability. Will you be available? Will you be willing to give to missions? Will you be willing to serve in missions? Will you be willing to serve in the church in whatever aspect God may be calling you to do? What is your priority when it comes to obeying God? Will you do? Will you give? Will you go?